Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Gospel Changes Everything podcast, where we discuss all the things from marriage, parenting, theology, and those everyday struggles, even the cultural hot topics from a biblical perspective. Our hope is that you will be equipped and encouraged to understand how the gospel truly transforms the way we think, what we love, and how we live. This is your host, Alicia Illman. Well, hey guys, I am excited to have my friends, Michelle Myers and Summer Phoebus here with me today. And listen, if I'm honest with you, this conversation was something that I needed. (laughs) And I listened to it twice because they offer so much wisdom when it comes to how we as women um, think about our roles, um, the immense privilege of raising children, and also the opportunities that we have to do other things on the side or the ministries that we feel God has called us to and all the other things besides motherhood and how we do that in a way that is biblical and faithful. So if you um, find yourself struggling with that tension, I think you're going to find this conversation really helpful. Um, If you do, would you mind leaving um, a review for us that really helps us get the message out. Um, even if it's just to tap those stars when you're done, we would really appreciate that. Share it with a friend, anything that you can do to help us get this message in front of more people would be greatly appreciated. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Michelle and Summer. Michelle and Summer, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Can you start out uh, by telling us a little bit about who you are, about your families, what you do? Yeah, yeah. So I'm Summer. I live in Annapolis, Maryland. I am married to a pastor and I have two daughters. Kent and I will be married for 23 years this year. So I have a 19 and a 21 year old. Uh, We're newly empty nesters, like it just in the last few months. So that's really cool. It's very fun. Um, but we, uh, serve our local church here. And then of course I serve at low at, she works this way. And we've been there for, oh gosh, Michelle, how long has it been? We, the timeline is so blurry. You would think we would figure it out by now, but seven or eight years we've been with she works his way doing this ministry. And I just have a heart for discipleship. And I am borderline obsessed with the local church. And so to serve in a ministry whose goal is to stir one another up and to strengthen the church is like dream come true. It works out really, really well, but yeah, that's who I am. It's awesome. Okay. What about you, Michelle? Uh, I'm Michelle. I live in Asheville, North Carolina. My husband, James and I are also in ministry. He is the central discipleship pastor at a church here. We have three kids and we are not empty nesters. So (laughs) our kids are 10, eight and five, two boys and a girl. Um, So we are in it and it is super fun. Um, Most of the time. 97% 97% of the time. It is super fun. <laughs> Wild uh, but fun. Yes. So She Works His Way has been honestly probably the biggest surprise blessing that I never expected. Um, I've always been a planner and a goal setter, and there was no plan or goal whatsoever 
in the initial start of She Works His Way. It was a need that I had, a need that I saw, and I pulled in three close friends and we started meeting, Summer being one of them, our friends, Liz and Emily as well. And we started meeting on Google Hangout. I don't know if you remember Google Hangout, but that date she works his way as it is. <laughs> but we started meeting at 5 a.m. on Google Hangout once a week because that was the only hour that we were all available. We were in different time zones, different industries, different seasons of our family. So none, none of us had a conflict at 5 a.m. on yeah. Thursday mornings. So we don't meet at 5 a.m. anymore, no. uh, but we still exist <laughs> for the exact same. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but we still exist for the same reason that we did uh, those days at 5 a.m. And honestly, every addition that has come to She Works His Way, including like the name She Works His Way and inviting other women into the conversation has been a response to the needs that we saw around us. Mm -hmm. So we always say, and I, I love when the girls put it this way, that they bullied me into starting an Instagram account. Um, that's mostly true. Um, it was the kindest gospel bullying that you've ever experienced ever. Um, but they, they felt it too. They felt more women are need to have this conversation. They're hungry for this. How do we extend this conversation into the lives of the other women that we know. Yeah. And that, that has been the question that we've been we asking ourselves for the last eight years that mm -hmm. keep us going. Yeah, that's really good. And I feel like that's how God works the best is it's just this natural organic morph of where we have all these struggles and we're seeing it met a certain way. And then God calls us to expand that, you know? Mm -hmm. So I love um, I want to ask you, what kind of conversations were you guys having at that point where you mm -hmm. felt like this is a need? Like, what were you wrestling through when you guys were meeting up that became She Works His Way? Mm -hmm. Well, back when we first started meeting, I think it was at the height of the ability as women to work from home and to really explore the avenue of entrepreneurship. And so what came with all of that was this beautiful freedom to be able to work from home and all of us, right? All four of us, Michelle did. That was something that all yep. four of us were in at that time, working from home, building businesses. And we loved doing it. But along with that came all of the training that comes with the entrepreneurial side of things. And the training was good, but it wasn't the best thing. Mm. And there was tension in what we were being taught. So it was a lot of self-improvement, personal right. development, focus on yourself, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get in there and go after right? right. And the goals, the vision boards, the five-year plans, so many things that you were told to practice and do that was just outside of what God was asking of us and outside of the dependence that he wanted us to have on him. So self-sufficiency was like the name of the game at that time. That was everything that was happening. And it made sense that four women, three who were pastor's wives, four believers would come together and talk about, Hey, listen, this is what's happening. And this is what, what's hard. And even though our battles or symptoms, if you will, were a little bit differently, the root issue was all the same. It yeah. was all that we were trying to figure out how to be everything the world wanted us to be and everything God had asked us to be. And we were just completely exhausted by it. It was impossible to do. And so we needed someone else to give us permission to 
surrender everything to the Lord, um, including the results of our business and our success and, and all of those things, because we felt like it was almost, we wanted to do well. So we felt like it was almost irresponsible to not accept all of the training and to not go for it and do it. We thought we could do it in addition to loving God and loving people Mm -hmm. instead of loving God and loving, loving people, and then letting the rest of it happen. So it was for me, it was just getting the words out loud, hearing that there was attention, that everybody was feeling it. And then being able to listen to each other made it not sound as crazy in your own head. You were like, wait a second, that doesn't line up with scripture. That is not exactly, it makes sense that this is so uncomfortable. And that was the beauty in coming together. And it is still the beauty of what She Works This Way does. It Mm -hmm. is still exactly what this community exists to do. Help women identify the truth from the lies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Because we're right in the middle of hustle culture right now. I mean, and trying to find that significance in what we do and you're right. There's going to be that tension as Christian women who know the Bible and know what God says and also want to be faithful in their homes too, if you're a mom and, or married to your spouse. So, you know, like that's, yeah. Like how do you discern I want to do something with excellence, especially if you're like a type A hard worker, go-getter. And you're like, I don't want to be lazy because that's not obedience too. I don't want to be undisciplined with my time and my gifting and my resources. But at the same time, like, I don't want to be burnout. I don't Mm -hmm. um, want to feel self-absorbed too, because that it can really turn self-focus so easily because we're so naturally wanting to prove ourselves and our worth and our meaning, you know, by what we do and how we perform. Mm -hmm. So I just, I think this is such a, uh, such a, I told you guys before we started recording, um, an important conversation and a felt need among women. So I am so rooting for where God has taken you in the ministry that you guys have. And so I would also, I don't know, Michelle, you want to expand on what Summer said at all with that conversation? I mean, she nailed it. That's <laughs> exactly the conversation that we had. And I, we always talk about like the shoulder drop that happens because the world does like that tension. It just creates almost a physical tension in us to where we are uptight all the time. Yeah. And as soon as you hear the echo of what you know God has said and what the Holy Spirit has been stirring inside of you. When we talk to women, like we actually see like a physical, like Mm -hmm. shoulder drop Mm -hmm. of like that surrender almost happens. Like when we see it to her, just like, oh, I don't have to hold all of this. This is not all on me. Mm -hmm. Oh, that sounds actually very much what I feel like the Lord calling me to do. And it, it's just so different from the pressure that the world does put on us. And then the pressure that we put on ourselves Mm -hmm. and to recognize that it's all pressure that we were never meant to bear anyway. Right. Yeah. And that's gospel, you know, like Mm -hmm. Jesus saying, come to me, you know, your burdens upon me rest, you know, like it's just this shoulder drop message of the gospel Mm -hmm. of like, you are already proven because, you know, I am in your place. You know, you don't have mm-hmm. to prove your worth. You can operate now from, I think you guys say this from surrendered effort. I love that phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just getting there, you know, <laughs> just getting yeah. to that place where we know what that actually looks like. Um, 
I would love for you guys to talk about, I know your mission is just to kind of help disciple women in the, the working world. Um, but what about for the women out there that feel like, well, you know, I don't really have a side hustle or um, a thing that I do, you know, I'm just a mom, um, but I still kind of struggle with trying to find value and meaning. And maybe on the other side, they feel like because they don't have a job, you know, or they don't have a a work outside of their home that they, um, you know, that they don't have value. Honestly, I think that is a wrestle sometimes. So could you guys kind of define work? Because I think that can be applied to everyone. Yeah. We redefine work as anything a believer does that you submit to God for him to use for his glory and the good of others. And so that can be done in your home. That can be done in traditional ministry in the secular workplace, full-time, part-time volunteer, you name it. If you, if your reason for being there is I'm all in for what God wants to do. And I'm right here right now. And I'm willing, and my yes is on the table for him to use Mm. that's gospel centered work. Mm. And so all moms, if you're listening to this and you've ever said the phrase, just a mom, like, please never use that phrase again (laughs) (laughs) because like all moms work. That's right. It requires an incredible amount of intentional effort Mm -hmm. to be able to mother and wife. And so that is such a high calling that I never want you to minimize what you can do for the kingdom because you are willing to be a disciple maker in your home. Mm-hmm. So work has nothing to do with whether you receive compensation for it or if you have a title or not. It is in your reason for why you show up where God has you. Mm-hmm. Ah, I love that. That is just so encouraging. I just... Yeah, I, I think that's something that I hope everyone like goes back and listens to what you just said again, you know, and let that marinate um, and then pray through it and go, God, help me to believe that to be true, because that is true. Um, but sometimes we just don't believe it because that's not the message of the world. So um, thank you. Yeah, thank you for saying that. I love in your book, by the way, you guys um, who are listening, Michelle and Summer just um, released a book that they wrote together. Uh, she works his way. Um, and it says a practical guide for doing what matters most in a get things done world. And I just, I love this book, you guys. It just, <laughs> I, I love to read. Um, and I love to read nonfiction, but like I was literally underlining everything. <laughs> writing notes. You guys just, you have a gift for, for saying things in a way that are so insightful, but also really engaging and relatable. So I, I highly encourage whoever's listening, grab their, grab their book. I'm just going to give you a little shameless plug right there um, for your book, but um, back to like work and this idea of it not having to look like the, what the world says, just, you know, being a stay at home mom is a high calling. And I love what you guys talk about. And I think it's the chapter on obedience and what obedience looks like. Um, it might be summer's chapter. You're talking about mm-hmm. um, good and faithful or wicked and lazy. Like that's like the gauge of whether you're successful or not, what obedience truly looks like. Um, I thought that was really good. Um, so maybe you guys could expound on that. Um, I also want to share the quote by C.S. Lewis that you put in there about um, obedience and how you define obedience. I think it was an earlier chapter that Michelle, that you wrote, 
so many good nuggets of truth, but I would love for you guys to kind of talk about obedience. And because I think a lot of women maybe feel, I don't really know what God's will is for my life. What, it, what should it look like right now? And so we think there's like the specific path that God has for us when really what he's called us to is obedience. So, um, yeah, I'm going to set you up with that. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I think that when it comes to obedience, what we have to understand is that the key to obeying is who we're obeying. And the tension is in listening to the world tell us who we're supposed to be and trying to be that when God has already said who we are. And if we understand who we are and we love God most then the desires that are on our hearts, he puts there the wiring that we have, the unique gifts, the ability, it, all of that is there because of him. And it's to be used for his purpose, for his glory. So we are created exactly how he wanted us to be created back when he knit us together in our mother's womb. We, I love that word picture. I love that imagery right there because it doesn't mean he just like abracadabra you into existence. He took a minute, right? Mm -hmm. He knit you together, right. right? So he put you together exactly how he wanted to make you for what it was that he wanted you to do on this earth for his glory. So you are equipped and ready to do what you're supposed to do. So obedience isn't you trying to figure out how to do it all. It's just doing doing it. But then we're like, okay, where, how, what, right. He has also put you in a place with a specific group of people surrounded by exactly the family that you have, the church that you have, the work or the coworkers that you have, they're all on purpose. So those are the people that you're supposed to show him to that. You're supposed to exemplify the love of God to the most. And there you have like this beautiful opportunity to see God's will for your life. God's will for your life is where you are. It's not where you're going to hopefully be someday when you listen enough and go hard enough and do hard enough and read your Bible more and pray more. You are in his will because God is big. He is sovereign. He has gone before us. He knows what is happening. You are not a surprise in any way. Even your mistakes and your missteps are not a surprise to God. So you are in the middle of his will. It's just about being surrendered to it, being submissive to it, uh, being obedient to it. And so what we try to make sure women understand is that the obedience to God that equals success in your life. Mm -hmm. Nothing else equals success except obedience to God. The way the world dresses up success to look, it is not the way that it's supposed to look. The way the world shows you, if you do one plus two, it equals three. That's not what scripture shows us. You show up, you surrender, you're obedient to where God has called you and you do those things. And a lot of times obedience to God doesn't look, it's not just that it doesn't look like the world. It is the opposite of the world. It's maybe less money, less fame, all of those things, but for the glory of God and the good of others. And so I think it's just really trying to rebrand success, which is difficult, but just to fight against culture in helping women understand, like lay down all of the things that you think that all of the expectations that you think are on you. If you want to truly find success and feel success because people want success because they want to be fulfilled and content right. that is in obedience to God. That's yep. where you'll find it. Absolutely. You will not find it anywhere else. That's the big lie. No, honestly. such a lie, yeah. such a lie. Yeah. Even I, I feel like that's over here dancing. Yeah. I feel like 
<laughs> Come on, say it again. <laughs> yes. I love it. Yes. Um, and I think that this is actually something that is prevalent in the Christian culture too. Like we get these messages that um, obedience is this big risky thing. Well, let's define risk. Does that mean it's something scary because it's big and it's in front of a lot of people and it's going to be applauded um, or seen as successful in the world's eyes? Or is it big and scary because we actually have to die to ourselves and Mm -hmm. trust that the Lord sees it in the unseen, you know, Mm -hmm. like the everyday moments of taking care of your kids doing the laundry, doing the dishes, serving your husband, having a good attitude, even when he doesn't deserve it or whatever, you know, seeing the gospel, you know, in those moments um, and where we truly are and the grace that we've been given through Christ, like that's the brave thing. That's the scary thing. That's the obedient thing. So you're right. Like redefining for us as Christ followers, what true success actually looks like and trusting that the Lord says, man, it's going to be so much better. I promise. Like if you trust me that to lose your life, that is actually to gain, like, I, I'm not going to leave you hanging here. <laughs> you know, yes, I see those. Yes. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Michelle, you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I'm just thinking through like some scriptures that illustrate what you just talked about. And so if we're thinking about a big risk, you know, go back to even just your childhood. If you grew up in the church and David and Goliath and the, we turn that into this whole idea of like slay your giants and go after these big, huge things. But David didn't go to the battle line to fight Goliath. He went because his dad told him to take a snack to the commanders and his brothers. Mm. And so it was simple obedience to his father and a simple task It was showing up in the ordinary. When he got there, he saw that Goliath was defying God and he didn't understand why no one would stand up against him because he was like, are y'all going to let him talk about God like that? And then he stepped up, but he didn't go there looking for a giant to slay and a battle to win and all of the, and so you don't have to look for it either, but if you'll show up in the simple, if you'll show up in the ordinary, God will show up in a big way because he can't show up in any other way because he's God. Mm -hmm. Everything he does is big. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's for, if it's for his glory, then we can rest anyways, because right. it's here to be like, okay, God, you know, I'm, I'm being obedient where my feet are planted. And, you know, if it's whatever that needs to look like, I'm going to trust you. So if it's slaying yes. giants, if it's, you know, get passing out lunches, like that's okay, yes. you know, because that's it's right. for your glory and you're going to play it out the way you're going to, whether I get to be a part of it or not. So yeah, I love that. I love that um, story and the way that you framed that. Um, Okay. So back to the C.S. Lewis quote, just so people aren't like, will you please share that quote that you mentioned? Um, I really liked it. It was on page 80. Uh, It says, in God, you come against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know God as that, and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Um, uh, Like that, I just thought that that was such a great quote in relation to this um, conversation over what obedience looks like um, and the way you guys define it as um, being faithful to serve where you're at. 
and um, with what you've been given. And so I think a lot of it, like you said, is ident- like understanding your identity, understanding your perspective before God, when you know God in that way. So that's where we should be like investing our time is knowing God. That's what we are created for. And when we do that, and we're faithful with where God has us, we have a different perspective. We're not looking out. We're not looking in. And we can't truly be obedient with our focus in the wrong place. So yeah, I just, I love that. And, you know, you guys expounded on that so in the book. Um, so, okay. The vision for, um, she works his way in the, the key verse that you guys have is Matthew six thirty three. Um, seek first the kingdom of God, that, that scripture. I just love that. So um, maybe we could just talk about what that would look like at street level. You know, um, what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? Cause you know, we all have heard that scripture and, you know, some of us may be like, yeah, yeah. I put, you know, God's first in my life, but what does that actually look like in the everyday, whether it's in the home or at work? Um, I would love to hear y'all's thoughts on that. I think it sounds easy, but it's not a one-time thing. It's an all-the-time thing. So saying God is first in my life is a decision that you make one time over and over and over again. And so I think trying to put God almost on autopilot is what we, we end up trying to just make him one of the many things that's in our life because the world sells us on life balance all the time. But when we try to balance God in, like, if you think about balance, if you think about two things trying to be equal with each other, there's no way that God is ever going to be on any kind of scale and that's going to work. And so what we have to wrestle with is the whole verse is seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and then he will add everything else to you. So it's not that you're not going to have anything else in your life. It's just that everything else that happens in your life isn't on you. God adds it. And so what we try to do, because as humans, we are natural complicators. I'm raising my hand because I'm the worst one is that I want to be like, okay, God's first, but then what's second, what's third, what's 834th. And we try to, yeah. And we try to create these rules and this order, and it creates this juggle where we think that we're responsible for every piece Mm -hmm. instead of God saying, put me at the center of that. Put me at the center of your marriage. Put me at the center of your parenting. Put me at the center of your work. Put me at the center of every piece of your life. And then I will take care of the rest of the details so you don't have to. And it's, I'm with you on the like street level. What does that look like? Right. It looks like going, okay, if, because God, we, again, we're complicators. And so we gravitate toward creating rules in scripture. But if we just want to zoom out and we want to see a big picture, we know that the last words that Jesus gave us were to go and make disciples. We also know that Jesus simplified in a sense, in terms of making it easy to remember all of the prophets in the old Testament, all of the law by saying, love God and love others. Mm -hmm. Now he, he simplified it, 
but he made it harder to live because he raised the standard of the law to love. Right. And so what, what we really have to focus on then is I am to love God. I am to love others and I am to make disciples. And that's my purpose in my home. That's my purpose in my work. That's my purpose at the kids' soccer games. That's my purpose at the grocery store. That's my purpose in my neighborhood. That's my purpose in my community. And instead of trying to seek all of these other counterfeit offers that the world wants to give us, it's seeing that as my main role and my main responsibility that everywhere I go, instead of just trying to juggle a hat of like, okay, I am a killer entrepreneur right now. I am a soccer mom here. I am, I don't know, date night mom here, whatever it is that we have to try to figure out all these different things. Instead of doing that, I'm all of these different places for one reason. Yeah. And that really does simplify because then I'm not striving after every offer or every achievement that's going to be made available to me, because I promise you, they're going to be dangled. Mm -hmm. They're going to be dangled in front of you. Mm -hmm. And as someone who has gotten sucked in before to what the world has to offer, let me tell you that the emptiest of empty is not having Mm -hmm. what is not, not having what the world tells you that you need. It is getting what the world told you that you had to have and Mm -hmm. recognizing that that's not what I really needed. That's not it. Yeah. Like that's the emptiest of empty that you'll ever have. And so every promise that God gives, he fulfills, he's a promise keeper. Mm -hmm. And every promise that the world makes, it can't fulfill. Mm -hmm. It can't cash in on those. The the world culture has killer marketing, Mm -hmm. but it cannot deliver on its promises. Right. It falls short. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Every time. Yeah. Um, it makes me think of the recent tragedy with the Miss USA, uh, Chelsea Christ. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, she sounded like what happened is she committed suicide. She, um, jumped off this like third 30th story of a building or something, a really sad situation. But, um, here is a gal that like had everything, you know, she followed what the world said, this is what will make you happy. You know, she's beautiful. She's young. Miss USA. Um, I think she was an anchor on, uh, what was it? Extra TV. Entertainment tonight. Entertainment yeah, tonight. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like, she's famous, you know, she's, she has mm-hmm. money, she has beauty. And yet, um, you know, at end of the day, I think this was her quote from March, 2021. She said, I, I discovered uh, that the world's most important question, um, especially when asked repeatedly and answered frankly, is why. She added, why work so hard to capture the dreams I've been taught by society? Um, and I continue to find emptiness. Ooh. And, you know, it makes me so sad because I want to be like, that. that's it. You know, ultimately, end of the day, if we can actually think about that, like here's, this is what so many of us look to as, success. And yet here she is at the top at the pinnacle and saying, it's not here. And now I I have nothing, you know, I'm empty. I'm, I'm left hanging here. Um, I actually think I listened to an interview by Rachel Hollis and Matthew McConaughey one time, (laughs) and they were talking about this as well. They were actually having a conversation about, you know, reaching all these goals and then, and then what, 
And both of them, I thought it was interesting, said, well, you know, you reach them and then you just got to set more. It was almost like they, I felt like so sad in that moment for them because I felt like they, they were explaining the emptiness of, you know, getting, reaching these, these goals and these dreams and making all this money. And then all of a sudden, well, all the, all that's left is just to chase more dreams. Mm-hmm. And so um, yeah, it's Ecclesiastes, it's Solomon, it's the idea of, you know, what the world puts in front of us. But ultimately, like you said, Michelle, like it's not, it's not going to fulfill end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got to rethink what it looks like. Um, but back to the balance thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's, that's something that is, I've asked this before, like, what is, what does it look like? Is it balance? Is it tension? Like, how are we supposed to, um, manage all these different aspects of our life? And I love how you said, you know, all of it falls under this one, um, call that God has for all of us, the great commission. It is, he simplifies. I love like simplicity and big vision. (laughs) It's like in those moments, street level, when you're like, am I even making a difference right now in my life? Is there meaning? Does this matter? End of the day, Jesus said, you know, go out and make disciples, share the gospel with your life, where you're at, love others, love me more than anything, put me first. And and then it allows us to make those little decisions, no matter what it is, whether we're on date night or playing with our kids or doing our, our work, you know, it just, it really kind of boils it down to that one thing. So and that's where we'll find that um, peace and purpose, I think. So that's yeah. it. Yeah. So good. Um, any more thoughts on that, Summer? Do you have any? I think the biggest thing is the first two words in Matthew six thirty three, and it's seek first. And mm-hmm. I think the word seek, we've got to really understand because as we've been talking through all of this, we keep talking about what the world shows us. And if we just focus on heaven, because that's the kingdom of God, right? right? If we turn our eyes to heaven, the more we look at heaven, the more we will look like heaven. You can't look at heaven and not see eternity. So the more we look at heaven, the more we will understand the perspective of everything happening on earth as a perspective from an eternity standpoint, mm-hmm. which then puts an urgency where it needs to be and puts a surrender where it needs to be, which puts um, like lights of fire in us in the right places. Like it is everything we need to know about doing what matters most when we see heaven first, when we see heaven most. So seek first is the part that we all have to boil back to. You asked at the beginning of the question, like basically the practical how-to street level how-to that's about the seek where are your eyes? So we can believe all of this, but if we don't shift our eyes in the place that it's supposed to be, then it doesn't matter how much we try to believe it. We won't do it because you've all been driving in a car and saw a beautiful house on the side of the road and looked at it for too long and started veering off towards that house. You've got to look in the place, in the direction you want to go. That's right. And so it's why the thing is not just, Hey, God is first. That's not the scripture. God's first. The scripture is seek first. It's how to make and keep God first. Mm -hmm. Keep your eyes on heaven and you'll look more like heaven. Yes. 
absolutely seek first, love God. Those are like calls of action for us. Yes. You know, yes. like that's not going to just naturally happen because we mentally assent to that truth. Like we right. actually have to pursue God. Yeah. Um, I, I love that idea of like, you're veering off towards where your eyes are focused. So there's like intentionality of, and where is God found? He's found in his word. And Mm -hmm. his people that are going to have the same perspective. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when we're coming to him faithfully in prayer, even when we don't feel like we're close to him because we trust, like if we're not in his word and we're not seeing him there as he reveals himself, you're right. Like, oh my goodness, the world is so distracting. And our Our perspective, yes, our perspective. Yeah, totally off. It's totally wrong. And so we live in this place that is real. Like we all are looking around. Nobody here is like, is earth real? Is the world weird? Real is culture real? We, we see it and we know it to be real. And then yet at the same time as believers, we struggle to see that heaven is real. Like, and that is not because heaven's not real. It's because we're not looking at it enough mm-hmm. You've right. got to look at it. You've got to believe it's there. And then the perspective shifts and what is here is a broken place that is real, but what is there is the next place we're going. And it's so much better. And you just can't help, but think about anything, but it, if you just start thinking about it, mm-hmm. but like, it's gotta be, that is, if you're a mom listening to this, that is a learned behavior that has to start from a very, very young age. I'm not going to act like it's simple to tell someone to look at heaven. Cause they're like, where summer, where's <laughs> that at? What do you mean? And they picture like the weird angels and the golden mansions <laughs> and all that. Like, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't even know where we get all that from. All I'm saying is you have to see the eternal perspective. That changes everything. And in order to see that, you really have to think about heaven. And Mm -hmm. that's what Matthew tells us. That's right. But Jesus tells us in Matthew. Right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Fix your eyes on things above. You know, it's like just we have to be faithful to do that. Like that's where we start. You know, where do we start in the seek first? It's fixing your eyes, you know, on things Yeah. 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 So if balance is an issue, I get it. If bondage is an issue, I get it. If you feel like you don't know what to do next, I get it. Scripture doesn't just say, do it. Scripture says, seek first. So like start there, start seeking and then it'll all, it'll all happen. Yeah. Such a good (laughs) word. And it's simple, but it's not easy. (laughs) It does take effort. Um, Yes. Okay. So maybe one last thing I could talk to you guys forever. Um, but I, I'd love to know, you know, when we think about women and the, what the faithful woman looks like, we see Proverbs 31 as like the ideal of she's doing all the things she's tending to her family. She's a good spouse. Um, you know, like, like what is that even doable? Or is that just something like that we should aim for? What, what are y'all's thoughts on the Proverbs 31 woman? <laughs> oh, um, I I strongly disliked her for a very long time (laughs) because I remember I I read through the Bible for the first time when I was in middle school. So my middle school Bible is always the place where I can go to find out like what my rawest, realest thoughts were. And in Proverbs 31, um, I wrote, where's Proverbs 32? And I don't like her. 
Like those were, I wanted a Proverbs 32 that like did everything for what a man should be. Right. And I, I claimed, I claimed that I didn't like her. So those were my rawest feelings about her. And so I ignored and skipped over that chapter for many years. And uh, then I just decided, I was like, you know what, this is, I need to really wrestle with this. Like, why do I have such a strong distaste toward this? And, um, I actually, I have a devotion book now about the Proverbs 31 woman. It's called famous in heaven and at home, and it's a character study. And so rather than looking at it as what did she do and making a to-do list? Cause that was what I had always done when I looked at it as I was like, and I, Yeah. And I would start looking at it and I would start going, okay, this is not even physically possible. She doesn't sleep. She rises when it's still (laughs) night and her, her light doesn't go out. And so it was, but instead of looking at it, knowing that that's physically impossible to live without sleep, what is that? What does that say about her? What does that teach us about her character? It means that she's always on duty for what matters. And there's not, she has a, whatever it takes kind of attitude when it comes to the things that God calls her to and not in a, I am woman, hear me roar kind of way, but in a, my strength comes from the Lord and he's going to give me the capacity to do what he calls me to do. Mm -hmm. And so I, I walk through it in famous in heaven and at home, Mm -hmm. uh, verse by verse, not in a, like, what's the checklist here that I have to have, but what does this teach us about her character? Because while Mm -hmm. there are aspects of her that I think that there's beauty in recognizing that God can call you to do a lot of things Mm -hmm. in the home, outside of the home, um, in the business world, in the ministry world, but not that you have to be all of them, Mm -hmm. but that he can use you in whatever season he's called you to wherever you are, but regardless of what it looks like in terms of where you serve or what the tasks on your list are, I think that the kind of woman that God calls us to be the character that he calls us to is what's similar and what anchors the truth in that passage. Mm, I love that Michelle. So it's not like we're looking at her as saying, this is everything she does in a day. Now go out and do it. You know, like here's the checklist. Um, because I think one of my biggest struggles has been because I'm an all or nothing type of personality. I'm like, okay, well, if I'm struggling in this area that I just need to cut it out completely, you know, like I don't want to give provision to my flesh. So we're just going to get off of social media and we're going to, you know, fast from this. And I'm not saying you there, sometimes there are seasons to do that. Um, but you know, that's to me, the easier thing to do sometimes is just to be all in or completely out. But sometimes God's calling us to be faithful in the moment and yielded to him in the moment as we are, seek, like we said, as we're seeking him. And that's a lot more difficult to do that. And so I love that when we read Proverbs 31, like you said, what we're really looking for is her heart and her character and her faithfulness and how she seeks first God's kingdom mm-hmm. in the midst of all those different things, because she may not be doing it all at one, at one time, you know, like this may be certain aspects of her life. Um, and I never really thought about it that way. So I love that. I'm, I'm going to read Proverbs 31 completely differently now. So totally. pick up your book. So that's awesome. Uh, one of the meanest things that my best friends ever said to me that I'm super grateful for, because I have a very similar personality is that she challenged me and just told me it takes a lot more discipline than to go, to go slow than it is to just quit. Because I do think sometimes God just 
calls us to a slower pace or a quieter season or whatever that may look like. That's a challenge for us and our personality or our preferences. And that I, I don't know who that's for, but if you were amening when she was talking about how her personality, um, I just wanted to pass on that wisdom that summer gave to me, um, because it is, it is true. And if God has called you to a slower, quieter season, and that is harder for you, um, he has a really powerful, sweet message for you in there to learn more about who he is. And so don't fight the slow and don't give in and do what's easy and quit, like mm-hmm. lean into the slow because he's there with you to walk with you through it. And it will be more beautiful than the most powerful sprint that you've ever done to just walk a little bit more slowly with the Lord. Yeah. Amen. And that's obedience. That's mm-hmm. success. That's faithfulness. That's what his will is for our life. You know, like, <laughs> you know, re- reframe our thinking and our perspective on that. So, Oh, that is, that is so encouraging. Michelle Summer, thank you so much for this conversation. I really hope it has been a blessing. I hope you've seen the gospel throughout everything that we've said, that it truly does affect the way we think, what we love and how we live. Um, so uh, any last comments, thoughts um, from you guys? I would love to hear, uh, explain to our listeners like where uh, they can connect with you and um, check out all your resources and she works his way. Yeah. So she works his way. I just want to remind you, it's a discipleship community for working women and Michelle defined work for you guys earlier. So if you're a woman, you more than likely work. Um, but we are an online community. We have conferences every year. So we're in Annapolis and Atlanta in 2022. Very pumped about that. You can go to sheworkshisway.com to learn more about us. You can get the book on Amazon. You can get the book on our website. The book is titled She Works His Way. So we're also on social media, but we're on social media like one day a week (laughs) because we have learned that's the best way that we can make sure we're taking care of the network of women who are here inside of this community, making disciples who make disciples. So um, we would love to invite you to learn. I mean, just learn more about us. If you go to sheworkshisway.com and it feels like conversations that you want to have and it feels like things that you need in your life, we'd love to come alongside you and help you with that. Awesome. All right. Thank you guys for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening today. I hope you found the conversation encouraging and helpful. If you did, whether on YouTube or podcast, Would you mind hitting the like button, subscribing, or sharing the episode with your friends on social media or through email? This will help get the word out so we can reach even more listeners with the gospel. As always, remember to love God, learn truth, and live transformed. The gospel changes everything.